Our gospel story this morning picks up just after Jesus hears the news that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been put to death by King Herod. And when he learns what happened to John, we read that he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. We hear that and and perhaps we understand completely. Jesus wanted some space to grieve the loss of his cousin. We might recall vividly how he wept at the tomb of Lazarus, one of his closest friends. How could his heart not break when when he hears that King Herod has beheaded his cousin John the Baptist, the one who baptized him, the one who kicked off his, his public ministry? It would make sense if Christ withdrew into the desert in order to go and be alone with his father, to entrust this difficult and painful news into God's hands in solitude. He is, after all, not only true God, but also true man, with human emotions and human affections. But Jesus does not find solitude, does he? No, instead, we hear that the crowds heard of his plan to go and be alone, and they followed him on foot from their towns. Imagine the scene. Jesus humbly gets into his boat, slips quietly away in his sorrow and his grief, and when he arrives at his destination, his private retreat, as it were, he finds vast crowds waiting for him there. You might expect him to be a little frustrated, a little upset, a little impatient with these people. Leave me alone. If I was in Jesus' place... I know I look out at all those people and think, don't they understand that I just need a little bit of space? But instead, we read in our gospel, when he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them. The Greek word used here to describe the movement of Jesus' heart can literally be translated as his insides turned over. In other words, he felt the urgency to go and be with them. He felt in the core of his being, deep down in his gut, a tangible identification with their desire, with their hunger, with their desperation to be healed by him. When the gospel says he was moved with pity for them, he is experiencing a lot more than just feeling sorry for them. A kind of like sentimental sympathy for a group of people, a a faceless, nameless group of people. No, his own insides turn over, upside down, for them collectively, yes, but also individually. His pity was a full, visceral embodied compassion. And this hits right at the core of the mystery of the incarnation. God took on flesh for us in order to experience our hunger, our pain, our loss, our thirst. He became human in order for his insides 
to be turned upside down at the sight of our suffering. And he invites us to come and be satisfied in him. We heard those beautiful words from the prophet Isaiah in our first reading. All you who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, come, receive grain and eat. Come without paying and without cost, drink wine and milk. And we can remember that Jesus does all of this from the midst of his experience of grief for his cousin, John the Baptist. He lays aside his own need for space and privacy for a time in order to give himself to his beloved flock. He came to love them and to serve their needs. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Just yesterday morning, my family uh, buried my grandmother, one of my closest relatives, a, a rock of faith in my life, one of the most important people in my life. She was a constant source of encouragement and joy for me, and I miss her. My heart is broken that, that I can no longer go visit her and hug her. Her funeral was my very first funeral mass, and while it was extremely beautiful, it was also tough. And to be honest, I could probably use a little bit of personal time right now. I could use a little bit of space right now. Like Jesus, I kind of feel like withdrawing into the desert to find some space to process everything that has happened over the past couple of days, to go and be alone with my Father and our Father. And I will find that time. I will have to make that time. But right now, the church is hungry. Right now, the church is starving for the Eucharist. How could a priest send the crowds away with hungry bellies? Sure, I could use a little bit of that downtime, but that doesn't matter as much as being here with you this morning to offer the holy sacrifice of the Mass, to offer you the only nourishment for your souls that will actually satisfy. And that's Jesus Christ himself. I think sometimes in life we're waiting for this perfect moment when like nothing else is going on in order for us to serve and love people. But if we wait for that perfect moment to serve our neighbor, if we delay our charity for an imaginary future period of time in our life when nothing else is demanding our attention, when no crisis is distracting us, and when we think we have plenty of time to devote our energy to others, then we will end up not loving in the way that God is asking us to love. And that is to love with his love. That's the unconditional, no-strings-attached love of our God. St. Vincent de Paul, the patron saint of our diocese, once put it this way, if a needy person requires medicine or other help during prayer time, do whatever has to be done with peace of mind. Offer the deed to God as your prayer. Do not become upset or feel guilty because you interrupted your prayer to serve the poor. God is not neglected if you leave him for such service.
I think if, if by God's grace, we become more and more open to being generous and compassionate toward one another, especially when we are working through our own grief and our own suffering, then we will find healing and freedom in that gift of self. Suffering is really awful. And there's no way of getting around that. But it can open us up outward to others rather than create a self-centered vacuum of self-pity. And that seems to be part of the lesson that Christ is teaching us in the story of the feeding of the 5,000. He himself has suffered the loss of his cousin, and yet he opens himself up to the hunger of the crowd. Rather than sending the people away and say, I don't have time for you, I don't have anything to give, rather than do that, he entrusts these people to his disciples. He instructs them, there's no need for them to go away. You give them something to eat. Give them something of yourselves, he says. Give them your heart, your compassion. Let your insides be turned upside down for your neighbor who is hungry and thirsty. Don't you dare send them away hungry. I want to feed them with myself, and I must come to them through your hands. These past few months with all of the stuff going on in our world, has been really hard on all of us. We're all dealing with a certain amount of grief. We've lost family and friends. We've lost jobs. We've lost our plans. We've lost our normal way of life. And maybe at some level, we've lost hope. We need to process what has been happening to us and to our world. We can't ignore it or deny it. We do need to find space and time to pray through all this and be alone with our Father. But we certainly do not need to withdraw into self-pity and self-concern. The invitation from the Lord today an invitation built on that firm promise that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus, is to continue to be generous with our love towards others. Christ will take the little bit we have in the midst of our own trials, and he will miraculously multiply it.